This is the Hidden White Podcast, episode 967. My interview with Britt East, discussing his new book, A Gay Man's Guide to Life. Enjoy. G'day, Britt. Welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. You are enjoying life over there. Whereabouts are you? I'm in Seattle, Washington, in the upper left corner of the U.S., and like most places in the world, we're completely locked down and cloistered and huddled together in our homes, trying mm. to stay safe from this horrible virus. How long has that been going for now, for you guys? Uh, I don't know, a year? <laughs> a yeah. long time. long time, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, so you're in digital marketing, and you've just written a book yourself, A Gay Man's Guide to Life, um, which, is, which is why you reached out and wanted to come on the show. Um, because you really talk about um, personal development and growth in, in that in that journey that you've been on as well, I suppose, and and I guess the takeaways and practical advice that can be shared universally to other people uh, in their own journey. Absolutely, I wrote this book for anybody looking to lead a more authentic life and just hasn't figured out how to get that started. So it's a really practical and pragmatic list of recommendations that just covers all the facets of life from mind, body, spirit, to financial planning, to career management, to love and relationships, and even community service. Yeah. Um, and is this coming from the back of, of your journey in, in being a gay man and and having the I guess the pressures, the uncertainty that that must bring onto your life? Absolutely. I use that as my, you know, that was the lived experience, the lens through which I wrote the book. Hmm. I, I did a subtle thing with the title. It is not called A Guide to Life for Gay Men. It's called A Gay Man's Guide to Life, meaning that anybody is welcome to read it. But I wrote it through our cultural lens using our language. And so if you have gay people in your life and you would like to better understand them, if you're a gay person who needs maybe a leg up on life because you weren't given the, the normal rites of passage, the initiations, the ceremonies, the knowledge that, that is generally passed down in straight society, or you've, if you have a gay loved one, this is a really good gift for them too. If, if you want them to feel more seen and heard and know how to, to get a lease on, better lease on life. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. So it's really a yeah, guide to life um, yeah. and, and about living, you know, I think you worded it um, brilliantly um, as before we got started in the interview about, you know, standing proud as who you are and, and really having that level of authenticity, which we hear a lot these days. But um, like anything, I guess it's easier said um, than done, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the main thing that I want to see gay people learn to do is stand mm. in their own power and take up more space in the world. So often we closet ourselves in lots of little ways on a daily level. We find ways to slink in the shadows, whether out of a fear of our physical safety or of our economic safety at work. Um, in any little thing in between, we find lots of ways to play it small. And what I am demanding of gay people and encouraging them to do is to learn how to stand tall and be proud and take up more space in the world. Hmm. And not just gay people, but anyone. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Being happy for who you are and, and, and standing up for yourself and, and, yeah, and stop playing it small. I like that. Exactly, exactly. So where do we start? Like what do we – how do we start to, to have this uh, better mindset, I suppose, so we can really live into who we are? Well, it, it all starts with curiosity, hmm. getting to know yourself 
and then going out and being that person. So once you figure out what makes you tick, once you figure out your superpowers, your your uniquenesses, find places, spaces, activities, avenues that maximize that, where you can be the most of you, where you can shine your light the brightest. That's what's going to attract um, love, uh, friendship, um, financial success, and even career success into your life. Anything else is just a game, a house of cards. Hmm. It's just a shell game. You're you're playing on borrowed time. The more that you try to win people over, the more that you try to market people with your resume, whether literally or figuratively, when you're dating or or meeting new friends, or literally when you're when you're um, interviewing for a job, the the more that you're not truly going to feel seen, and you're going to engage in self sabotaging behaviors. You're going to validate self-limiting beliefs. So what I challenge people to, to do is start to figure out who they are. And that might be by working with a paid professional, might be by sitting with your friends and loved ones or reading books like mine, or just doing some meditative thought and inquiry, figure out who you are and then go be it. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, I guess, figuring out who you, who you are, um, must be a challenge and, and and perhaps you wouldn't mind reflecting on um, you know being gay and and how that happened for you I mean was it something that you held inside for a while before you announced it or was it just always known well I mean I'm the kind of gay, uh, gay who could not pass which comes with its own pros and cons what do you mean One of the could not re- pass I could not pass as straight that oh, when right. I walk into a room, most people have some sort of an intuitive sense that I'm different. And the wonderful, beautiful thing about that is it leveled the playing field for me. I was immediately removed from the constraints of straight society from um, having to wear masks. And I had to build my life however I saw fit. I had the freedom to right. do that. Well, that's good. I did not. Yeah. And so like a lot of gay guys, if they maybe can pass a straight, then obviously they may not have the same physical safety issues. But on the other hand, they might feel more constrained. They might feel more confused. So there's no easy roads in life. Hmm. But the way it worked out for me is that I had lots of like, like many of us, I had lots of issues. And at a certain point, my life just kind of fell apart in my yeah. early 20s. Yeah. And I had to build it up again, um, leveraging the help of experts, hmm. um, talk therapists, and then for me, it was in the 12-step um, program. So it was almost like group therapy in a way, um, sitting in those free 12-step meetings. And I had to, I had the opportunity. I got to create a life out of my own two hands using my own values while instead of living the life that was thrust upon me by society. Okay. So you got into alcohol? Is that why you're in the 12-step programs well, or is for- it? No, for me, it was different. So mm. the the event that, that precipitated all of this was in, in my early 20s, I was in a long-term relationship with another guy, which is pretty rare in the 1990s. Mm. This was like a six-year relationship. And um, one day he was arrested for having sex with a minor. Yeah. And that obliterated my life, as you might imagine. I had mm. no clue or context about this. And as part of that arrest, he disclosed a sex addiction. And I had never heard of that term. Over the intervening weeks and months, we decided to stay together, and he got into a 12-step program for sex addicts. 
Right. Um, right. And I got into a companion program similar to Al-Anon for Alcoholics Anonymous. This was um, for people who were partnered with sex addicts. And mm. that program saved my life. Wow. What about the um, 12-step program? I mean, I've talked to people about it in the past, but what for you really helped in that program? I was so leery because I'm an atheist and I was so leery about the whole God thing in the program. And it took me a while to wrestle with that. But what cemented it for me were the other people, the fellowship with people who had been where I was and the thrill of for the first time in my life, setting down all of my masks and getting real and being seen, having that benevolent witness, meeting myself in their eyes, watching them delight as I tell my story and and they meet me, that fostered a sense of self-worth that I never had. Yeah, okay. That's a really good point about relationships, isn't it? And having people around you that are like-minded and on a similar journey that you can share that that experience with and I think that's something missing in a lot of our lives at the moment and have no ulterior motives there was nothing transactional about the relationships yeah good point really good point so I think there's um you know you talked about masks before and and I guess different sort of journey for you but I'm sure you deal with a lot of people that still have that mask and whether it's it's being gay or whatever it is people are hiding behind this insecurity I suppose which is keeping them from playing big would you agree yeah, we you know, we all play roles throughout the course of our day. That is just a fact of living in society, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's when you start to identify with the role and use it as a wedge between you and the world that, it, for me, it becomes a mask instead of just a role. So at the in the workforce, I'm going to adopt a certain stance and attitude that we call professionalism, and that is just a role. That's not a mask. I'm not I'm not identifying with that person. And I have no, I don't think that that person is all of me, but with a mask, when I, when I, when it becomes a mask, I'm using it as a wedge to prevent other people from seeing me, to give me the illusion of control and strength and power in my relationships. When I'm just playing a role, I recognize that I have an intrinsic self-worth above and beyond my abilities. And the more vulnerable I am, the more true strength I manifest. Mm. Yeah, I think you need to sort of sit down and reflect on what you've just said there. It's almost as if, you know, the role is is the hat you wear at any given time. But essentially, you're still the same person wearing that hat. I like the way you said it better than me. (laughs) I like that a lot because the hat, you can still see the face. You can still see the person. It's just like you or this or the clothes or whatever. A mask you're truly trying to hide. And that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah. And I've not been there. I've been like in in certain roles where I've I've taken on that and, and, uh, you know, tried to uphold this, this, um, this role as, as who I was. I, I sort of connected with it and it was terrible. It was terribly defeating. Um, and I can remember when I first started a career in real estate, I sort of felt like that, you know, I felt like I was dressing to this role and then that role suddenly become me. And it just, it took away that authentic me, which actually stopped me from, um, having a level of success there as well. Yeah. I mean, that's the irony is that we think we're doing it in the name of success, but in reality, it's a form of self-sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not being yourself and people exactly. want to connect with you the, the truly, real you. Yeah. You can't truly attract anything sustainable in your life unless you're being authentic Hmm. and uh yeah i mean we can put on the hat and we can take the hat off but uh everyone gets to see who we are no matter what hat we're wearing and it's okay whatever that hat is that you choose to wear 
people recognize us when we're wearing the hat. That's what I like about your metaphor is people recognize us when we're wearing the hat. They're not confused. They don't think that's all of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. What, what are um, some of, yeah, I guess I don't know if there's techniques is there to be authentic or, I mean, how do you, how do you help someone? I guess you sort of talk about self-reflection and understanding who you are, but um, and I mean, the 12 step program, I guess that's a part of it as well. Talking to people and having someone that you can just really bounce things off and, and reflect with might even help you, you know, become more of who you are rather than, um, having that role as, as part of your identity. Yeah. It's all about cultivating a personal practice and that practice needs to help give you the emotional resilience to navigate life's choppy waters. Hmm. Um, and for me, that personal practice is about leading a well-balanced life. So I'm conscious about the food that I eat. I practice yoga. I practice meditation. I do a lot of cardio and weightlifting. I perform music. I enjoy writing, personal reflection. I also have a series of mentors. Most of them are paid professionals, like talk therapists, coaches, etc. I'm very privileged. I have the resources to do this, but I also have made the choice to pay myself first and invest in myself to set this playing field in a way that I can, uh, you know, create my own platform and use it as a way to uh, a base to jump off of, so I can more fully experience life and all of its adventures. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Invest in yourself. That was a bit of advice I got um, probably about oh, seven years ago. Or so what am I now? It was probably longer than that. Um, and it was just you know that that idea of putting money back into yourself or just investing time as well yeah. as money into yourself. And it's something that I certainly did not do and still probably don't do as well as I could do, but I'm getting better at it um, because there's a lot of unlearning that had to be done for the first, you know, 10 years of my 20s. Oh, I like a lot of what you just said. So, like, time to me is the most precious resource other than love. I mean, time to me is way more precious than money. If you can feed your family, there's little in life more precious than time. Hmm. And so that's a great way of monitoring um, what you really care about and the congruence between your ideals and your actions. And And I also... Um, you know, resonate with uh, what you said at the end. Um, you know, it's it's so easy to. Um, let me say, how do I say this? We are all swimming in this sea of um, where we're being marketed to constantly what we should be, how we should be, and a lot of that is just sales. And it takes a personal practice to resist that sales and marketing that is just part of capitalism, where we're constantly inundated with images about what we should look like and how old we should be and who we should love and all that kind of. I mean, it it takes a certain amount of resilience to resist that. And the way that I have learned to cultivate that resilience is through my personal practice there's just no substitute for it. Now, it can be whatever you want. That's part of your art. You get to create your own personal practice. You just need one. Hmm. Hmm. And I guess we don't we don't give ourselves that time of personal practice. It's um I don't know if you study philosophy, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy philosophy and it's it's um it's the the life practices that I I think I gain from it and really reflect on and and this idea of reflection and then living according to those values that you reflect upon is is something that um is to be admired and it sort of goes in line with what you're saying you live aligned with the practices and those practices are integral for you to keep connecting with who you are 
And you said a key word a few moments ago, um, unlearn, because like, if you think about the etymology of the word education back in the ancient Greek days, it was really about a teacher extracting and evoking something within you that already exists. Yeah. These days, at least in the U.S., it's more about indoctrination. It's more about sit down, be quiet, sit still. We're going to tell you what to think and yada, yada, yada. Back in the old days, it was extracting something that was already there. You were, so now we have to unlearn to echo your point. So much of what we need is already within us. We just have to scrape away at the mass media and the marketing and the sales, scrape away at the indoctrination to figure out who we really are. Yeah, there's there's a good reason why there's so much chaos when you get out of school, huh? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're really underprepared. Yeah, well, exactly. You, you you didn't really learn the stuff that truly matters. You learned a bunch of facts and figures, and you were indoctrinated with a bunch of stuff, maybe. But there's a lot of stuff missing along the way. I think we could probably all agree on that. And then we we create mentors. You know, we 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 understand that having a good mentor or coach in life is is good. But back back in the day, they they used to have these coaches and mentors or, or figures that they yeah. could rely upon. To teach them these certain values and, and extract those things from them, as you said, um, earlier on in life rather than waiting until you're 20 or 30 to start yeah, that it was, process. It was built into the system. That kind of um, pedagogical mentorship, one-on-one training or small group trainings was just part of the system. And for all sorts of reasons today, we don't have that. Hmm. Just like we've lost so many of our rites of passage, our initiations, our traditions, our rituals, so much of that has been commodified um, that, um, they've been drained of a lot of their meaning. And so we have to now create that for ourselves. Um, but it's, it's imminently doable and it's not as hard or confusing as it might seem. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book is because there did not seem to be a book out there that connected these dots in a a practical way. Like this book is not new agey or, or woo woo at all. As we would say in the U S it's very kitchen yeah. table. It's like the kind of advice your big brother would give you or your grandmother would give you at the kitchen table. It's like timeless truths, um, things that you can actually do in your life, a recipe, um, to set you up for success. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. What, what, um, you talk about some practices in your life. What, what sort of routines do you have? Um, maybe just a few that, that really contribute yeah. to your, your wellness? Well, for me, it all starts with the body. I mean, we're all having a, a human experience on this planet, um, regardless of your you know, religion or spiritual beliefs. Um, and if my body is not um, functioning properly, um, it's hard for anything else to, to get done for me. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate. I have a body that, that works and I'm able-bodied and strong and I've taken care of my body, but I also continuously invest in it. So that's where I encourage people to start. For me, that, that looks like a regular practice of yoga, cardio, and weightlifting. Um, you normally you know, start not, the day off in that way and get up early and... Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of crazy. So I get up each day at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. and um, I tend to be, you know, early to bed. But I'm, I'm what time do you get to bed? Um, usually around nine. It's a pretty consistent um, sort of wake up and and sleep I routine. Am. Yeah, and you know, and I don't. It's expect a healthy way to be, apparently. Yeah, you know, I don't expect everybody to be like that. Maybe I'm a little nuts, but I like that routine. The main thing is I know who I am and I know what 
it helps me thrive. And, and so I don't make apologies for that. But other people are going to need more variety, which is perfectly okay. The main thing is that you figure out what your body likes. When do you feel good in your body? Strong, lithe, lean. When do you feel like you're functioning well? That's where I would start. And then all this other stuff you can layer on top of it, whether it's meditation or art or you know mentoring relationships and things like that. But I would start, and this is what I recommend in the book to get right with your body first. Mm. Yeah. Well, do you, that, that, the routine of waking up and sleeping, is that seven days a week or is there like a cheat day or weekend where you just go, look, I don't care what I do these no, days? I'm so annoying. I don't need cheat days and stuff because I really like the routine. So I know a lot of your listeners are going to roll their eyes and be like, you're crazy. But I actually just like the consistency. So I'm up at 4 a.m. like even on a Saturday. Hmm. And what about Sunday? And, Oh yeah, Sunday every day. I mean, you know, I'm also getting uh, you know a lot older, so it's like mm. I don't need to have the the all night experiences that I did in my 20s. I, I've been there and done that, so I'm more interested in um, the art that I'm working on and the the various writing projects and my career and stuff like that. You know, my relationship with my husband, and so I I'm pretend to lead a kind of quiet, simple life, which you know, may not be for everybody, but I actually like that consistency. So a cheat day for me is, I mean, I'd not really, I really not existent. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, I think it depends on who you are. I've figured it out yeah. that, um, and, and I haven't figured it out personally, but I think mm-hmm. out there people, um, people need that. They either need that full discipline consistency like you have, um, or, or they're okay with being very flexible and, and spontaneous. And yeah. um, I've got mates like that, which I just struggle, I struggle with. So, no, I, I like the idea of routine. I, I will say that I'm because I monitor my calories. I'm I lift weights and hmm. you know, and and I I do cheat meals less because I need the flavor, more because your body actually responds really well to that. So there's really even on a biological level a case to be made for cheat days, and depending on how you frame it. And I yeah. just bring that up to say that it's like there's no shame in it. And have you got a particular diet and, like? You know, I um, it, it's more about for me hitting the macronutrients at a certain ratio and the total calo- the total calories. I, I'm, a, I'm a super geek about this, so I calculate my total daily energy expenditure to know how many calories I spend on a given day, and then I eat based on where I want to be in my weight gain or weight loss cycle through lifting weights and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm a lot more rigorous than the average person yeah. with it just because it happens to be of interest to me. And I happen to like the way that it makes me feel, but not everybody's going to be able to do that. And not everybody's going to want to do that. And it's perfectly fine. The main thing is just to know yourself and, and honor what your body wants and needs. Mm. So what about other than the body? What about the mind? What do you sort of practice there to, to help with the mind? Um, I mean, the body's I mean, a big part of it, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, constant stimulation. The mind wants to be unsettled. And it's this weird paradox because so many of us, especially as we age, um, love to, and, you know, maybe guys can be like this a lot too, want to kind of go down to zero at the end of the day into this vegetative state and have like just total peace and tranquility, um, which may not be possible if you have kids or if you have kind of a large family around or, you know, what have you. But that's what a lot of guys tend to want. But what the mind craves is variety mm. and especially challenging variety. So um, I like to read really challenging books because I'm kind of a geek. Um, but um, other people might like to do things like puzzles or games. 
And that's something that's stimulating that keeps the mind off balance. Much like in bodybuilding, the muscles want to be continually kept off balance as well. If you if you constantly working the same muscle group in the same way, your body's going to adapt and get bored and you see diminishing returns. The mind is not that different. If you know, so a great thing to do would be, for instance, to learn a new language and the culture yeah. that comes along with that. Great, you know, that's a great way to to trick your mind. But the mind wants that kind of variety. If you're in a rut, seek a way to inject more for mental stimulation and variety into your life, whether new relationships or or new hobbies or interests or or, or reading things like that. That's good advice. I like it. What what um what what is something that you have previously believed and and that belief has changed in recent uh, years, months. Yeah, I am um, an idealist, which means I'm constantly disappointed and um, easily outraged, especially in today's day and age. And I used to have a, um, we'll say, more judgmental approach to people. And I, I think it was for desire to know where I stood. And now as I've aged, like happens to many people, I've softened and I've broadened my approach. I really try to see people, you know, with kind of like soft, gentle eyes rather than homing in on their personal human frailties. Yeah. I, tr- I try and like, I don't have to fight everybody. There's like with a lot of guys I find in particular, and, and I had this, there's a, a warrior in us, especially when we're younger. And, I, and I've and i learned to set down my sword and take off my armor and kind of create space for redemption and for people to um, be messy and make mistakes without morally judging them. I may be, I may have judgments about their choices and their actions um, and values, but I, I'm much gentler now um, about morally judging anyone. Yeah, okay. And that, that certainly would come with age generally, I think. I think so. The, uh, the, the better understanding of others and opinions, etc. What What advice, like what one piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? To not take things so damn seriously. Mm-hmm. I, um, I hear that often. You know, I, yeah, I had that warrior energy really strong in me, and I would advise people to go explore life and soak it all up, to, to laugh as much as possible, to play as much as possible. There's going to be plenty of time to work. We all have to work. Obviously, you know, that's a part of it. But to really savor the play, to me, that's the highest form of practice. That's where we as mammals learn um, is through our relational play and to savor that, to savor the laughter and the joy. It sounds so corny and easy, but I really missed the boat on that. I was so intense and working so hard that I lost those years and I'll never get them back. So that's what I would tell, go back and tell my younger self. Yeah. Good bit of advice. Constantly need to be reminding that, reminding myself that I think. Yeah, me too. That, uh, mate, what, what, um, how can people reach out to you and, and find a bit more about your work here or the book? Obviously, it's online. Yeah, absolutely. The best place is my website, BritEast.com, and that is a hub for all of my work. It has links to my socials. It has links to free articles, my free blog. Um, and then, obviously, you can buy my book there. I have consolidated a list of online stores, so you can buy it from your favorite online store. And, um, and it's just all right there on my website. That's cool. I'll stick the uh, links in the show notes, guys. So it'll be episode 967 
uh, at thehiddenwhy.com. So all the links will be there. Um, Britt, thanks for coming on and sharing, mate. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to see you. Guys, check it out. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee martin until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon